Hi there, and welcome to this podcast entitled, My Child is Struggling, What is Wrong with Me? My name is Roy Oki, and I am the founder of Applied Life Strategies. I'm an advanced certified life coach, a certified CBT practitioner, and a member of the Academy of Modern Applied Psychology. I have several years of counseling experience, both professionally and ecclesiastically. I've been married almost 37 years, and we have three sons, all grown and on their own. So there's a good chance that I have enough life experience to be able to relate to many of the challenges that you are currently facing. Let me first state that I am not a pediatrician, psychologist, or psychiatrist. I take the research that I have found from these experts, add it to the experience that I have accumulated, and pass it on to you. I encourage you to do your own research on any subject we discuss in this or any podcast to arrive at your own informed opinions. We will be referring back to the principles we learned in the past three episodes, so if you haven't listened to them, you might want to go back and review them. If you don't have the link to these podcasts, contact me through my website at AppliedLifeStrategies.com and I'll send it to you. This podcast is the final installment of this four-part series that I'm providing in partnership with Anita Barron, the owner of First Class Preschool and After Class, located in Calgary, Alberta. These podcasts are being offered free of charge to anyone who would like to listen in, so please feel free to share them with anyone you like. We're discussing four topics in this series. The first was my child's brain, and the second was anxiety in children. The third was does my child actually have ADHD? And today we will discuss my child is struggling. What's wrong with me? Wondering if your child's struggles are your fault is a very emotional, difficult question to face as a parent. Why does my child have to be the one who is struggling? What did I do? Or what didn't I do that created this problem? Let's begin by examining why we would even think this way at all. I'm sure that we can all agree that no parent wants to see their child struggle or in pain. It absolutely breaks our heart. And often we feel helpless to protect them or fix the situation. So if we understand that this is a heartbreak that every parent faces, it doesn't make much sense that we would feel guilty for our child's struggles. Unfortunately, it's a natural reaction that any loving parent will feel one time or another, so don't beat yourself up about it. That doesn't, however, make it useful or helpful in any way. In fact, it's both unreasonable and quite crippling to the parent. Feeling terrible for a child who feels terrible is perfectly normal and healthy for us as parents. We're supposed to feel this way. The problem arises when we start to blame ourselves for those things in our child's life that are outside of our control. We didn't create a learning or physical disability, or a psychological syndrome, or social interactions, or anything like that. Actually, the only thing we do have some control over is our personal relationship with our child. Do we love them, feed them, things like that? Everything else is limited to our influence rather than our control. Later, we'll discuss parents who take on the role of a pack mule compared to those who take on the role of a guide. Maybe take a second and decide which category you might fit into. There is, however, one thing that we often do that is absolutely destructive, and that is when parents competitively compare their children to other parents' children. While there will be endless opportunities for competition throughout your child's life, it is not appropriate. This can only be destructive and ho- sorry, and hurt both your child and your relationship with your child. There will be some who might argue this point, but I'm sticking to my story on this one. Let me give you an example. 
Have you ever been scrolling on social media and noticed all the amazing things that your friend's kids are doing and accomplishing and think, what's wrong with my family? Everyone else's kids seem perfect and mine have all these problems. Other people's children are successful at everything they do and mine struggle. Am I a bad parent? What's wrong with me? Well, let's start by looking at how we might define success. If I define success through the lens of some sort of competition, I'm going to live my life frustrated and unfulfilled because no matter what I or my children accomplish, someone else will accomplish more. If I define success by the type of car I drive or my child's grades in school, I will never arrive at happiness because someone else will always have done better. If I define success by anything that can be taken away from me, I will never find what I seek because it is all artificial. However, if you define success by who you are, your grit and the goodness within you, as well as the goodness you share, then you are well on your way to finding true success in your life. And to make it even better, your children will learn from your example and want the same for themselves. Sometimes it takes a while for them to realize it, but your example is the greatest teacher your children will ever have. So be patient, have faith in them, and love them no matter what. In order to decide if there actually is something wrong with you, and if you really are a bad parent or not, let's look at and discuss some facts and thoughts on the subject. Okay, number one. All living creatures on this planet struggle. It is mandatory. I challenge you to identify a single living organism on this planet that does not struggle in its life. There are no exceptions in nature and there are no exceptions in your family. All children struggle. This is also mandatory. Every child on this planet struggles with something. There are no exceptions to this rule, including your child. It is an absolute law of nature. Isn't it remarkable how much we agonize over our children's struggles and assume all kinds of ridiculous guilt because we couldn't protect them from the laws of nature? Number three, all parents struggle with parenting. Again, mandatory. Every creature on this planet that parents their young struggles under that responsibility. Every single one. So how could you possibly hope to be exempt from this absolute law? Number four, no one is anywhere nearly as perfect as they appear in public. I remember as a young father taking my family to church on Sundays and feeling that everyone else's families were perfectly put together and their children were well-behaved little angels. Whereas with me and my family, we were pretty happy just to arrive with the boys hair combed and both shoes on their feet. While other parents' children were being their perfect little selves, my kids felt like the holy terrors of the congregation. What took me a while to understand is that I was comparing my situation, which I knew all the good and bad about, to others while they were at their very best. And there was so much more to their stories that I could ever hope to see. This became very real to me in my years of counseling parents and families. People that I had known for years and had every confidence in their near perfection would come to me to discuss struggles and challenges that I never would have imagined from an outsider's point of view. I quickly learned that every human on this planet is struggling with something. The problem occurs that when we compare our reality to other people's public presentation. Let me repeat that. The problem occurs when we compare our reality which we know and understand, to other people's public presentation. 
take a moment and think about that family that you see as almost perfect. Have you got them in your mind? Okay. Now compare that image to the struggles that you and your family are facing today. Despite what you might be seeing, take my word for it when I say be grateful for your struggles because you do not want theirs. There was a study that I listened to a while back that stated, the most we can know about any circumstance is 20% of the facts surrounding it. That is not a lot of information. This means that there will always be at least 80% of the facts that we are missing when we make assumptions about others. This is why it is so important that we have to have the courage to ask ourselves, what if I'm wrong? What if my friend's life isn't as great as it appears? And what if my life isn't as bad as it appears to me? Accepting this honest question into our thinking process opens us up to an entire world of hope-filled possibilities. Number five, no one's life is remotely as perfect as it appears on social media. Do you ever find yourself feeling bad because you're comparing your life to other people's social media posts? If you do, stop it. Just stop it. You and I both know that this kind of comparison is utterly ridiculous, but our natural tendency is to do it anyway. So I have a challenge for you. I challenge you personally, the one listening to this podcast, to go on a 14-day social media fast. That means no social media for an entire two weeks straight. It might be a wonderful opportunity for you to find other remarkable and effective ways to communicate with friends and loved ones outside of social media. It's also amazing how quickly we, we can become more content with our own lives when we aren't constantly bombarded with the perfection that others present. If you do decide to take my challenge, you might want to post what you're doing first so people don't think you fell off the planet or are ignoring them. And one other challenge for you regarding your social media accounts, whether you do the first one or not. If you have friends, followers, or whatever they're called that are negative or make you feel less about yourself, block or get rid of them and stop drinking their emotional poison. Okay, number six. It really doesn't matter what other people think of your parenting skills. My rule of thumb is any unsolicited opinion of me is usually wrong. So what do we do when other people's opinions either sting, don't sit well with us, or just obviously plain wrong? Well, we could accept the fact that people have the right to be wrong about me. Because if it's okay for me to be wrong about them, then it has to be okay for others as well. So again, people have the right to be wrong about me, about my child, and about my parenting. We need to take advice as just that. It's just someone's opinion based on less than 20% of the facts. Sometimes they're useful. Oftentimes they're wrong. And occasionally all we can do is smile and walk away. But regardless, all they can ever be are opinions that are based on less than 20% of the facts. Remember, no one knows your child like you do. You are the expert on your child. You are the one that takes everybody's input, seeks additional learning about child rearing, and then decides what applies and what does not apply to you and your child. As long as you are honestly making an effort to be a better parent today than you were yesterday, you are your child's greatest hope for success. So give yourself a break. You're already awesome. And remember that excellence and perfection are not synonyms. All right. 
Number seven, there are no perfect children. And thank goodness. Did you know that perfect children don't know how to problem solve because they never have problems? Did you know perfect children don't learn grit because they never fail? Perfect children are boring because they never have a most embarrassing moment to share at parties. Perfect children are the quest of an unrealistic mind. Thank goodness there are no perfect children. So what does this mean? It means that every child is born with his or her own set of challenges. When your child arrived on this planet, she or he arrived with a package. That package included a personality as well as all their genetic traits and abilities. It also included a set of challenges that your child will face through life. Some challenges will occur early and some later on. Some will be of their own making and others will be thrust upon them. Regardless of timing or cause, the sooner we teach our children to own their challenges, the sooner they will learn to manage them. Because when we own a problem, we have power over it. My child's burdens are his own, and he has what it takes to handle them. My role as a parent is to be his guide and not his pack mule. Does that sound familiar? A pack mule's role is to carry someone else's burdens for them. But a guide shows us the way through them. Which one are you trying to be? Some of my child's burdens will be conquered. Some will be managed and some will simply be endured, but all will make my child better and stronger if I remember my role and honor his abilities. So how do we guide? I won't review all the suggestions from the previous three episodes, and there are several, so you might want to go back and review them if you have time, except to remind us of this one very powerful concept. Focus on effort rather than results. If you focus on results, you will continually be disappointed, both in yourself and your child. Focusing on effort will give both you and your child the opportunity to amaze yourselves. If we are willing to praise our children for effort rather than results, we must also apply the same practice to ourselves. To do this, you must see the goodness in both you and your child. Take the time to discover it and have the courage to acknowledge it. Sometimes we don't want to acknowledge our goodness because, I don't know, it makes us feel... I don't know what it makes us feel. Whatever it is, it's silly. Acknowledge it. Simply the fact that you're willing to learn, grow, and improve as a parent makes you remarkable. And remember, your child is a gift. Regardless of what challenges they brought with them with their package, embrace and love that gift. Here's another fun one. Number eight, there are no perfect parents. Did you know that perfect parents don't know how to teach problem solving because they never have any? Perfect parents can't teach grit because they don't know how to fail. Perfect parents are boring because they never have embarrassing stories to tell about their kids. And perfect parents are obnoxious because the rest of us can't stand being around them and have to listen about their perfect children. All joking aside, perfect parents are a fantasy that for some odd reason we all seem to strive for. So again, thank goodness there are no perfect parents. So are you a perfect parent? Of course not. Be grateful for that. But are you a good parent? Of course you are, as long as you're doing the best you know how with the tools you have. 
Every good parent gets frustrated when they should be calm, or yells when they should have shown compassion, or scolds when their child did her best but the results were disappointing, or takes out their frustrations on their family when the family didn't do anything to deserve it, or ignored a child when that child really needed their attention, or have a child who struggles in school or with friends or emotionally despite their best efforts, and the list goes on and on and on. But what do these parents all have in common? They are imperfect, good parents. Your child does not need a perfect parent to thrive. Your child needs a good parent who acknowledges personal weakness and is willing to improve. Here's my final thought on parenting perfection. Even if you were the perfect parent, you're not, but let's say you were, your child would still struggle. So drop the parental guilt. It is robbing you of energy that you should be using to guide your child. So how do I become a better imperfect parent? Well, let me start by sharing a little story. There once was a fellow who we'll call Mark. One day, Mark was walking along and ended up falling into a pit. Now, try as he might, Mark could not get himself up out of this pit. The pit was cold, damp, dark, and miserable. He desperately tried to escape, but to no avail. Then, as it would happen, a psychiatrist walked by and noticed Mark down in the pit and asked him what he was doing down there. Mark explained his predicament, and the psychiatrist asked him, And how does that make you feel, Mark? Mark explained that he was very discouraged and depressed, and he just wanted to find a way out of there. The psychiatrist asked questions and listened carefully, and then gave Mark some medication, which he explained would help Mark with his negative feelings. He promised to stop by in about a week or so and check up on him to see how he was doing. So Mark took the medication as instructed and found that it really did help how he felt. But in the end, he was still in the pit. Later, a psychologist walked by and noticed Mark. After Mark explained his situation, the two discussed Mark's life and even his childhood. They discovered possible reasons for some of Mark's negative feelings. And this actually made Mark feel a lot better. While he really enjoyed their visit, the fact was that even after the psychologist left, Mark was still in the pit. Finally, his buddy John stopped by and asked Mark what was going on. After explaining everything to him, John suddenly jumped down into the pit with him. What are you doing? exclaimed Mark. Now we're both stuck down here. John just smiled and calmed Mark down and explained, I've been down here before and I know how to get out. Sometimes we find ourselves stuck in ruts, holes, pits, or sometimes it can seem more like an abyss. The good news is that there are people out there who know how to get out and can guide us as we do the same. Let me stop for a moment before I get a bunch of hate mail and say that I fully recognize the value offered and the remarkable help that psychiatrists and psychologists provide. In my years of counseling, I was never hesitant to refer someone on to these professionals if I felt that person needed more help than I could provide. With that in mind, if you feel you are stuck, get help. No one is required to conquer this life on their own. Remember from our previous episodes that we discussed that our thoughts create meanings to which we assign feelings and then we make decisions and take action and it gives us good or bad results. We have to be careful not to spend too much time and energy focusing on the feelings and results. These are simply a symptom of the problem. To determine the problem, we have to go back to the beginning or to our thoughts and work from there. So how do we do this? Well, We start by swallowing our pride and accept the fact that our thoughts and feelings might be wrong. Remember that 
What if I'm wrong? Question we discussed earlier. A willingness to change ourselves is essential. Before I can help anyone else, I must first help myself. That means change and probably hard work, but that's okay because happy people do hard things. Keep in mind, change is not an event or a process. It is a state of being. And since change is an absolute constant for all living creatures, let's make sure that we change on purpose. Let me offer a great strategy that I read in a book called Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles. It's called the 1% rule, and it's remarkable. The basis behind it is the idea that as humans, when we realize we need to change, we tend to try and do it all at once. For example, I'm feeling guilty that my child is struggling and I want to stop feeling guilty now. This approach is overwhelming and typically impossible, and we quickly become discouraged and give up. So maybe, if I can't improve myself by 100% today, maybe I could handle 1% today. Now that's doable. I still need a final goal to shoot for, such as I will stop feeling guilty for my child's imperfections, but my path to it has to be reasonable. So if I keep my final goal in the back of my mind, and focus on that small little 1% change or improvement each day, I can do this. I can get excited about this. I can gain momentum and commit to my final goal. The cool thing is that it doesn't even require a vast amount of planning. If I had to come up with a detailed plan of 100 days of improvement, that in itself would overwhelm me. But what I can do is wake up each morning and ask myself, what small thing can I do or redo today to move me towards my goal? And if coaching or guidance would help me, I get it. If you are determined to be a better imperfect parent, then make the decision, get the help you need, and get to it. If you are struggling with parental guilt, which is probably why you're listening to this podcast, you might want to go back after you finish and re-listen to it. I put quite a bit of information here that's going to be challenging to absorb the first time through. So reviewing information can offer you greater insights as you learn to accept and apply new ideas. Okay. Let me close this discussion with the following. Earlier, we spoke about focusing on our child's efforts rather than results. If we are willing to lighten up and praise our children's efforts, we must lighten up on ourselves and apply the same practice to us. Your efforts deserve your recognition. And finally, I want to give you my definition of a good parent. Everybody has their own. You have your own. This one's mine. A good parent is someone who recognizes their imperfections, strives to improve, and teaches their children to do the same. Now, one last time, if you would indulge me these thoughts. Your child is not broken, and neither are you. You are both doing the best you know how with the tools you have. It's okay not to be a perfect parent because there simply are none. It's okay if your child is imperfect because there simply are no perfect children. What Anita and I wanted to offer you with this podcast series was an opportunity for both you and your child to learn and grow. We tried to select topics that were most pressing to the parents of children in first class programs. If you have any suggestions for further podcasts, please send them to me at my website and I'll see about getting them approved and created. If you have any questions or require further information about your child care needs, please contact Anita's group through the website at firstclassafterclass.com. If you are new to First Class, keep in mind that the website address is spelled with a number one. 
So it's the number one, S-T-C-L-A-S-S-A-F-T-E-R-C-L-A-S-S.com. If you'd like information about coaching and your relationship with your child, you can contact me through my website at AppliedLifeStrategies.com. If you're not a parent of a child who is enrolled in a first-class program and would like to receive the balance of these series, you can also contact me through my website at AppliedLifeStrategies.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen to these podcasts, and I hope that you have found them valuable. I've thoroughly enjoyed creating this series and sharing thoughts and ideas with you. We will be producing more podcasts in the future. If you're interested in receiving them as they become available, contact me through my website, and I'll be sure to add you to the mailing list. Have a wonderful day.